0: Sit down and buckle up. It's time for the Pirate Monk Podcast.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Coming to you live and in color from Middle Tennessee. I'm your friend Nate Larkin. I'm in the thriving metropolis of Mount Pleasant. Then some 30, 40 miles away is uh, my good friend Aaron Porter. And we are together.
2: And uh, we got to things- hang out yesterday in Mount Pleasant.
1: Wasn't it awesome? Uh, yeah, we actually uh, got to you know, hang out. We had a we had a very productive meeting with the team for the harbor. And then you and I got to have some dinner over at the Mount Pleasant Grill. Hey, wasn't it good to, to uh, get together with a couple other guys who also have passion for this project? And take a look at this thing and figure out how we can we can boost the progress and get it up yes. and rolling.
2: Yeah, and this is something that I think we would love to hear from from guys about. We're we are, we are yeah. trying to make a home base for retreats and intensives, and that doesn't mean that we won't go out and do regional ones to try to get closer, but we're we're trying to make just a special place for Samson, guys, and others to do work together and have face-to-face community together.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So here we have this former group home, uh, a five-bedroom place uh, and large bedrooms that we can, you know, since we're, we're bringing guys, we can, we can, we can put, you know, four guys, maybe six guys in some of those big bedrooms,
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Yep. Uh, yeah, we're just—it's just going to be—it's
2: going to be one big bed. We're just going to line guys up in it, uh, <laughs> big spoon to small spoon. That's really part of the work because we're not sure why women feel so comfortable doing <laughs> it, but damn it, most guys just feel uncomfortable spooning with another man.
1: Now, hey, we have had some pirate monks come and and uh, volunteer time. One guy, uh, you know, came for a hell was here for a month. Uh, a great team of guys came for you know a, a long weekend uh so we have got projects at that property that have gotten a good start but that we need to finish and uh and and then i i think aaron that we also need the feminine touch at least in the common areas downtown don't you think or yeah
2: downstairs we need we need it Uh, Right now, it does look like a bunch of guys got a bunch of random furniture that was given to us, and it was put in a bunch of random rooms.
1: Exactly what it looks like. (laughs) (laughs) It looks kind of like a
2: redneck frat house. That is exactly what it looks like, a redneck frat house. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Which, you know, yeah, not good enough, especially because it's Mm -hmm. a beautiful old building. Yeah. It's it's got a lot of uh, potential with its high ceilings downstairs and such things as that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And if we're going to be bringing, I mean, there will be women around like KK Ray will come and do intensives there. And she could hang, I guess, in a redneck uh, frat house. She's comfortable with the guys no matter what, but she's, she's a grown ass woman. She is. absolutely. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh,
1: yeah. But we, we want a place that, uh, that is, that is comfortable that looks in a place that's conducive, for honest
0: conversation.
2: And I'm so, so looking forward to it. So we're, we're really giving this a push over the next number of months. Uh, mm-hmm. Guys, we're going to try to make sure to have on Slack uh, some better communication and very specific information, but please be looking for uh, announcements and virtual meetings and on Slack to hear what's happening there and yeah. how you can get involved. Uh, Cause we just, Want to have people there, and you're you're only a block away from Nate. He's gonna
1: come and take some walks
2: and have some fun.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Hey, uh, what we're gonna play now, Aaron, is uh, an interview that you and I conducted a few months ago when I was down in Florida. Uh, I'm sure you remember Russ Johnson, and that's just. And just, uh, I think, a, a week, maybe two weeks after we had this conversation, I got to spend some extended time with Russ in Jupiter, Florida, at the Fallen and Free Conference at Tully, Tully and Tavijian's Church there, the sanctuary. And I got to tell you, he is solid as a rock and exactly who he appears to be. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> a, a no bullshit guy if I ever met one. And well, I just l- we Love like, his take on the gospel.
2: We like those guys. So, listeners, hang in there. We'll be right back with a conversation with Russ.
1: Welcome back to the Part Monk Podcast. Hey, we have with us as a guest this week somebody who I'm actually in the same uh, state with uh, maybe not the same emotional state but the same geographic state. <laughs> I am in uh, I, I'm in Florida I uh, came here partly to do some recruiting and training of forensic engineers who are doing hurricane assessment mostly in the southwest part of the state around Lee and Collier County and our guest is joining us from Fort Myers right where Hurricane Ian landed uh, Russ Johnson. Welcome to the welcome to the podcast.
0: Yes, sir, man. Thank you for having me.
2: So, so yeah, uh, Nate, Nate and I have spent the last four months writing engineering reports on houses that are <laughs> really messed up from from <laughs> yeah. that hurricane. So so how'd you do? How'd you fare? You okay? Is there we're still water it. in the carpets? What's
0: happening? No, no, we're yeah we we actually lucked out, man. We're we're about a block from the water near the Edison home. If you're familiar with that area, oh, yeah. downtown Fort the- Myers. Mm-hmm. So that whole McGregor sort of like where all the, like the, all the old houses are. You know what I'm saying? The, yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Love the area, man. Houses four or five doors down from me were five feet underwater, mm. and somehow, like just the way the land laid, man. A lot of damage around our home, but no flooding. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, we got roof damage. Uh, Had a shed that was just blown to pieces. (laughs) Um, Gutters, you know what I mean? Some damage to like, you know, walls, windows, but nothing like major like folks had, man, just a few doors down.
2: You still had a home to come home to. I did. I did.
1: Yeah. How how did those palm
0: trees that Lion McGregor uh, survive the storm? Uh, Some of them did really well and others didn't fare at all. It was pretty wild. They would have sections where they're all standing up perfectly straight. Yeah, yeah. And then 20 yards down, there'd be like six down in a row. Amazing. Right? And then Amazing. more standing standing fine.
1: So you I'm, grew,
0: sh- I'm you- sure there's a
1: spiritual application to that. I just can't pull it up right now. I'm, I'm I don't <laughs> I'm sure. have I don't have my preacher chops with me at the moment, but I'm sure <laughs> that that can that can make its way into a sermon someplace.
2: <laughs> we'll, yeah. we'll leave that to the less discerning <laughs> listeners. Uh <laughs> So, so you grew up in Florida and give us, give us a thumbnail of how we're going to get to a life that is full of passion about people encountering God's grace, especially in a post church culture that we live in. You're asking me how we're going to do that. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Let's just
2: start with, I was a young boy in Florida my <laughs> dipping my toes
0: in the water yeah man um well my backstory is is pretty uh i feel like pretty like kind of a normal thing in florida i mean let's just be honest florida man is a popular thing throughout news channels for a you know, so like wait you does, look- does that mean
2: you accidentally blew up sheds with uh lighting gasoline on fire i mean that's I what that's what that I is. think
0: of. Am I on the right track with what you You're mean? You're on the right track, and okay. that would be like the the G-rated versions. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, I grew up in a blue-collar neighborhood. Dad was a brick-block mason, um, army vet, uh, hard-working parents. Me and my brothers got into a lot of trouble. Respect was mm-hmm. king in our neighborhood. So mm-hmm. everything we did was ultimately about that end goal, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so you can sort of like run your imagination for what childhood was like. There was a lot of fun and a lot of heartache that I caused. Let's just put it like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, by God's grace, um, my wife and I started dating in high school, went to school together since kindergarten, believe it or not. Wow. Yeah, I started dating in ninth grade and we got engaged and moved in together. We were 19. And. Mm-hmm. Um, a little one is now on the way, Mm -hmm. which we were not planning on for how to start life out. So I had to, I had to go from, um, getting into trouble to getting into no trouble Mm -hmm. and hanging out on the beaches and making enough money to live to, I now have to (laughs) work a serious job and get it together. All that landed on me working on a freight dock in Tampa. Mm. And there was good money for a young guy with no college degree or real work experience, but a lot of hard work. And I met an old black gentleman named Tommy Tiller, who was a former hand-to-hand combat instructor, jewel sergeant in the army. And I uh, thought he was Mike Tyson when I met him. In fact, I actually made a joke to him about, must be rough, man, going from heavyweight champion of the world to pushing freight. <laughs> and uh, as soon as I made the joke, I looked at him. and was like, I probably shouldn't have said that. And, um, <laughs> Long story short with him is uh, this dude, he knew Jesus, man.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And he was sort of like this embodiment of the of the tough guy image, respect as king that I grew up um, holding up, you know what I mean, as, as the goal in life. And I just watched him and how he encountered people and situations and all that led to conversations and him discipling me and good news and me going home and discipling my girlfriend. And before long, I'm a believer in Jesus. She's a believer in Jesus. We're passing on good news to family members. None of them would ever go to church in a million years. And man, I've got to see brothers, cousins, uncles, aunts, my in-laws, my brother-in-law. I got to see my 90-year-old grandfather say, Jesus is Lord. Mm -hmm. And I guess that story, I guess for me was, it planted something in me, man, that just gave me a real heart for everyday discipleship and unconditional mm-hmm. grace.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, you talk about the good news, <clears throat> which I'd love, because you could say the gospel, and yet that word means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And in yeah. a lot of churchianity, the gospel does not mean good news. It means I entered a club with a whole new set of rules and expectations and social pressure and mask wearing, and we could go on with all the things that church culture and churchianity can bring. Not always. yeah. But I feel like you very specifically didn't use the word gospel, but used the
0: word good news. Tell me what was behind that. Well, um, I think it's because from my experience, the gospel isn't good news for most people.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I think um, from my again, from my experience, a lot of people have been handed a religion in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. A to-do list, a checklist, a God who's distant. He says he loves you, but he doesn't really like you. He promises that, that he'll save you, but you're probably never going to feel safe when you're around him. Mm-hmm. And so going back to my story, man, I like, became a believer you know out of this my wife and I are following Jesus we she soon became my wife and we're following Jesus and then we plug into the church world and mm-hmm. so we dive in man head first we actually moved to North Carolina which is where my father's family's from we don't know anyone man so we plug into the church we get connected for long I'm like teaching this class and then leading this new ministry and then I'm now I'm going to Bible college at night while I work all day and you know and then mm-hmm. I'm moving to becoming an associate pastor and then a church planter. And so I spent 15 years in pastoral ministry. And on one hand, like we were really successful. Like you had all the numbers and the growth and the multiplication, you know, all these things that you're supposed to have. But I just kept finding that in all of this quote unquote success that we're calling making disciples, they're not really, people. we're not seeing people live in dependence upon a God who really loves them just as they are. Mm-hmm. We're training people to appease a God who will love them if they walk in these, you know, ABCs. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. All the all the quantifiable markers that yeah. any any good corporation needs to put in place so that they can gauge success gets put onto yeah. discipleship. But if it can be quantified, we know it can be faked. Yes.
0: Yes, and that was that's a killer, killer point. Which for me led to resigning after 15 years in this ministry world and going. Man, the gospel is not good news for a lot of people here, and it's not good news for all the people I'm meeting as I'm traveling and speaking and training people abroad. Something's got to give, man.
2: So, Mm -hmm. when you stepped down, were you doing it because you needed to go search that out? You needed a break or you were just excited to just jump back into what you had in those early days with you and your wife?
0: Well, I would say that that would be a part of it. But if I'm going to be honest, I would say I found that as I started bringing more and more of what I feel like is the undiluted message of Jesus into the church world, it created a problem for me. Mm -hmm. Okay. I found that, basically two things. I can't I can't teach what Jesus is really saying here and keep my job, all right? Mm-hmm. Because when people start to discover what God really thinks about them, what he's really yeah. like, what he's really done and accomplished all on his own in and through his son, okay? When they start to grab onto this and start to experience what it would mean to go and live with the belief that you're held by a love that will never let you go, mm-hmm. people start finding freedom in that. They start spending more time with neighbors and friends, okay, and people over here who don't know the Lord yet, and they're spending less time within the church structure. And so it's almost like, man, if I, in word and practice, if I say what Jesus is saying, and if I spend my time training up people and releasing them to go live among their neighbors instead of sitting here on Sunday, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's like, well, you're messing with the economic engine, Russ. Um, This is creating a problem. And so eventually I was like, you know what? I need to step away from this and find a way to be able to go and teach people to see God the way Jesus does so they can live in a freedom they already have. Mm. And that led to what I'm
2: doing now. So did you just jump right into it or did you have a gap in between what you're doing? Jumped right
0: in. I spent my last year, my last full year of of pastoring was in the city of Chicago. And um, I spent my last year there leading, but at the same time, really just going through this whole process of, of just rethinking things that I had heard and was taught and was passing on to others Mm. in the name of good news. Mm. So I had a good year of like rethinking. So that way when I resigned, it was like, it was on, I found a handful of people in one organization that was like, man, please go do this, train people to live in this good news, train them to help other people grab onto good news. We'll support you. So yeah. what, is that,
2: what does that look like? How did you start filling your time after you stepped away from the, the, the church structures and stepped into just the body of Christ and those who were seeking out that hope? Yeah.
0: Well, it started with first moving. So we moved back to Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, Instead of going back to Tampa, the Tampa Bay area where my wife and I grew up, we came to Fort Myers. We had family down here growing up and some family here. And let's just face it, Fort Myers is a lot slower than Tampa, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: which was not an appeal when I was in my 20s, but it's definitely an appeal when you're in your 40s. So we we came down here this go around. And um, first thing I did, man, is I started getting connected with churches. That had a heart. They had basically church plant planters, Mm -hmm. uh, interns, you could say, and they were trying to rethink how do we start churches among those that are outside and uninterested. Yeah, and so they, I just kind of got my name out there, and they started contracting me to train their planters. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: So instead of going into a neighborhood and putting down this church machine that you know, which is going to probably result in about ninety nine percent believers showing up from other Mm -hmm. churches. What if you went and lived among the people, hang out at the bars, right? Get coffee with people, join clubs. You know what I mean? Like whatever, wherever your heart is, man, just start building relationships with people, passing on good news. Start gathering around a table, and share a meal and let those people that you reach determine what the church could look like.
2: Mm -hmm. Oh, you mean that the leaders ultimately equip. People that show up for the ministry, which means it would be based on their gifts and not a pre-described box that they need to fill. What is that? Is that what you mean? I mean, I feel like I I've know read it something sounds about crazy. Right.
0: <laughs> uh, it's this modern idea I have. <laughs> let's let's unpack for a minute. Uh, Well, I can tell you now, that didn't go well, my approach. (laughs) Uh, Well, I think
2: it's a lot more fun to get to lead that way. But let's unpack, use the word those outside. And inside and outside ideas are so crazy and convoluted for us. And Mm. Jesus' whole ministry… Was about explaining why? Oh no, these aren't the outsiders. These are the insiders, yep. and the the institutional church of the time are like, no, they're the outsiders. He's like, no, you're the outsiders, and then even his disciples slipping in and out oh, yeah. of being inside and outside. They were outside as often as not, and yet they were as close to Jesus as anybody. Yep. Where they would argue over petty things like who's going to be in charge in your kingdom. Mm -hmm. And that was a very outsider way of looking at the kingdom. So talk to me about American insiders and outsiders.
0: Well, I would say it's a myth, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, Um, which is why when I was working with these church planters, eventually that starts to really hit a rub because a part of what I'm teaching them is, hey, you know this solidarity thing that, that you're after? And they're like, no, 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 we're after solutions. I'm like, ah, you say you're after solutions, and you say that everyone around you is looking for solutions, but ultimately I think we're looking for solidarity. And they're like, okay, maybe maybe there's something there. Well, once you bring into that an understanding of the kingdom the way that Jesus unpacks it, okay, which is something that's universal, it's something that's present in and among all people in all places because it's a king who holds all people in all places. He's the creator, the sustainer, the reconciler of all things. For in Him, even referring to people who weren't believers, people we would call the outsiders, in Acts Mm -hmm. 17, Paul refers to them and says, for even you right now find your very being, for you live and move and find your Mm -hmm. being in Him, this unknown God, this King. He's everywhere. He's in all things. And so once I started to teach them to start to see and understand that you already have solidarity with all these people around you who don't believe yet, mm-hmm. because you find your very existence in Him who has reconciled not just you but them. Mm. And they're like, "Well, He hasn't reconciled them yet." And I'm like, "I'm pretty sure Colossians one says that He reconciled all things on earth as in in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross." Well, I'm not okay. saying they all believe and are living in the joy of this reality.
2: Yeah, but the people in the church aren't living in the joy of that reality most of the time. <laughs> no.
0: uh, well, that was the problem: is they wouldn't, uh, they didn't enjoy that, and therefore they couldn't possibly enjoy someone else already having this. And so that really created this disconnect. Because when I talk about outside and, and, and uninterested, I'm just referring to people who aren't sitting in this thing that you think is church. Mm. I'm not referring Nate, to someone who's outside the kingdom.
2: Nate, mm. I want you to speak to this because you're a good New York boy. Um, As you're talking, Russ, this inside versus outside deal, really it feels like a giant pothole comes from Mr. Finney up there in Rochester, New York, who starts introducing this idea of praying a prayer and then you're in. So you're out and then you're in at this moment where I honestly don't know the moment that I came to believe to some saving faith. I don't know when that moment happened, and I know there was a walk up to it, and I know I probably believed before I even realized I believed or could Mm, make make an educated mm -hmm. confession. So, discipleship seems to happen long before instead of, no, make all these confessions first, then you're in, then you get discipled. Jesus grabbed the guy's that weren't even able to articulate those confessions, just fishermen. So, yeah. Nate, what do you see from your New York perspective of how that kind of changed the landscape of how we thought about inside and outside people?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I grew up in the what the church historians re- referred to as the burnt-over district of New York State, that part of the country that was just ravaged by... Revivalism during the 1800s, early 1900s, highly churchified and very much this is this is the theology. We got to get people to say the right words in the right order. Um, and I here's one of the things that I have really come to recognize, especially even just in the last few days. I'm thinking about my own upbringing and think about my own approach to uh, people who I was trained to see as outsiders. It's my job to bring them in. Uh, how? much tribalism was really a part of what we were doing. We said it was about religious faith and religious belief, but to a very large degree, it was all about tribalism, protecting, defining, and protecting our understanding of the tribe. And we're finding our safety within I haven't heard people use this term solidarity in connection with this conversation before, uh, 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 Russ, but uh, I think it works. Um, and it breaks my heart now to know that the people who I really could have been friends with during those years, I couldn't have been friends with cause I was so busy trying to get them saved. Yep. And right.
2: Yep. 100%. <laughs> do you, do you mean Russ, when you talk about solidarity the confusion that we have within the church this tribalism where we confuse unity with uniformity that what we really want is uniformity and that leaves a whole lot of people out concerning being united with the body
0: yeah is, is that what you mean yeah it's from my experience it's been that in this sort of misperception that we have of what god is actually like okay we you know we we have no choice but to fear to hide okay mm-hmm. we we pretend we strive and what i found out of that is we then create labels and we form tribes and mm-hmm. it seems to all stem from our desire for a sense of security mm-hmm. okay and what greater sense of security can you have in a fluid world than a sense of identity mm-hmm. it's kind of like the garden all over again We're constantly trying to live in this spirit of independence. We're always defining who we are and defending who we are, which is why we need the thems, right, to exist. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: You know, as much as like, you know, we have all these different groups that talk about all the, you know, the problems that are out there. If you notice, it's always, the problem's never in the mirror. The problem is always some thems (laughs) that are Mm -hmm. over there. Mm And Mm -hmm. what's funny, they don't realize, is if you take away the thems, then they lose their entire connection with each other, because their whole connection is (laughs) centered around the fixing, the changing, or the getting rid of the thems. And I think what Mm -hmm. Jesus is doing is he's showing up and he's saying, no, there's a one humanity that I've created, and I'm here reconciling. So that brother over there, you don't have to spend your time trying to get him saved or to try to get him to come to your church thing so that he can then belong. You get to look at him and go, dude, you already belong in the king with me. You just might not know Mm -hmm. it yet. And now I get to love Mm -hmm. you as a friend instead of a project I'm trying to fix. Mm -hmm. And man, the beauty and the discipleship that comes out of that as people start to awaken to like, wow, I always thought there was you and there was me over here. There was this divide, this disconnect, just like I thought there was between us and God. And I think Mm -hmm. what Jesus is showing is like, no, there's a a great divide, but the divide is in your mind. You've got this perception of a God who's far off, not one who's near Mm -hmm. and dear. Mm -hmm. And therefore, Mm -hmm. in that perception, you're trying to get to him, and a part of that is getting everybody around you to get over this hill to him, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. instead of just going and being a friend among the people that are around you and saying, yeah, man, we're actually already very much in common with each other. Fact, the only difference between me and my neighbor who's running wild right now is by faith, I've accepted the reality that, that I'm loved, I'm whole, I'm home, I'm free, I'm one because of what Christ has done. And he hasn't yet awakened to that reality by faith. But that is the only difference. So he's not outside. He's not far off. He's not an, a them. He's just a brother who hasn't... Uh, who hasn't awakened to the, the feast man that's right under his nose? Yeah. And I found and that ta- that has been a game changer in regards to church and ministry. Yeah. In a time
2: like we are in in our culture, and especially as people are starting to talk about upcoming elections, which is just going to be like, oh, good, we can draw some more lines and pick some more oh, tribes oh, well. and times. It's on. And woke people and not woke people and based people and not based people. All these words that get thrown out. Yep. It seems like an interesting litmus test for any of us that call ourselves Christians or followers of Christ is, am I spending more time thinking about what my people are against or what my Savior was for? Mm. Because I, it feel being against stuff unites people and even yep. Christians and churches. Um, it feels good it also has a natural energy to it that feels like i'm accomplishing something because i'm battling against this thing but all the all the stuff you were just quoting about what god was about was about going towards something restoring something healing something uh, offering something and i think it's not too difficult for any of us to just take a pause take a moment and say where has most of my thoughts been going? Towards what I'm against or what I'm passionately for?
0: Mm. Mm. That's good, man. I had somebody remind me of that two days ago. A guy on our team and uh, Jameson, and I, I really appreciated him bringing that to my attention because if I'm honest on here, I'm I believe what I'm saying. But at the same time, I have moments where I don't believe it. Mm-hmm. I have moments where I forget it. I uh, I found in the ministry world that if we can create a tribe and get a very like, get just get a very clear villain out there, right? Mm-hmm. I mean that I mean that's some of the best marketing tactics you can come up with. Like that's yeah. how we get this out there. That's how we grow this movement. That's how we get the funding that's needed. We need a villain out there. We need it to be some group of thems. And then we've got to have some real cultural tribe within what we're doing that has a clear understanding of who's in and who's out and how you get in to be a part of this around the slaying of this villain out here. Mm -hmm. And I know how effective it is. I've led it. And at the same time, it's like it butts up against what I now believe to be true, which is the opposite of that. Mm. The and desire to the be known for time, what we're for, not what we're yeah. against. But then
2: that brings you to those feelings where you saw, oh my gosh, I worked in churches where one of the primary churches' uh, functions of the church was to make sure that it was self-sustaining. So we need yeah. to control lives enough to make sure we're making the money. And then it can feel like, at least to me, okay, so I'm against that. You're like, oh no, now you're just being the exact same asshole, but you you yeah. turned your gun a different direction and so living in that grace um ev- towards both the religious and the irreligious mm-hmm. can be hard because when we start to make the mental shifts then we start to think the pharisees are the bad guy and forget that jesus went and had meals with them and gave them just as much of a chance to get to know him as the people outside
0: 100 percent. yep yeah he's it's so easy to <laughs> To to miss that man, it's it's like in an attempt to to outwit and outdo and outperform the Pharisees, so people can see what's really true and good. You wind up becoming the Pharisee, Mm -hmm. yeah, Mm -hmm. and forgetting Mm -hmm. that you know Jesus loved all of them. It's the same thing you find in in a lot of the church cultural debates right now within uh, reaching the poor, right versus the rich. Mm-hmm. And like culture right now, there's a shift even within the you know within Christendom that's now looking down on people who have worked hard and have lots of money. that somehow Jesus isn't for mm-hmm. them. He's just for people who don't have any money. And I'm like, have, do you mm-hmm. know who Zacchaeus is? <laughs> do I mean Matthew? <laughs> like these are some very wealthy, successful people. and in front of a crowd in front of a crowd that said Zacchaeus doesn't count. He doesn't matter. He doesn't mm-hmm. belong. He's the them. He's in the wrong. He's out there. Jesus didn't wait on Zacchaeus. Jesus in front of the crowd points to Zacchaeus and announces, I'm coming to your house today. Mm -hmm. That is an announcement of belonging. For a rabbi Mm -hmm. to share a meal with you was to announce to all around, you belong. Mm. Mm -hmm. That kind of grace I found is what actually leads people to going, man, tell me more. Yeah. But the church is so damn scared of, of of this unadulterated grace that they'll do anything but let the cat out of the bag, and so we we have to we gotta we gotta create these lines we gotta have these tribes and again like you said man the whole thing's centered on sustainability. But what I found in the church world is you need credibility. Well, let's just put it like this: you need popularity for credibility. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you need credibility for sustainability.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And dude, that merry-go-around is why you've seen a 70-year decline and all the statistics that we could get into if you want that says, like Barbara Bass's research, by 2040, America will be England in regards mm-hmm. to the Christian faith. And all the while, with more money pumped into this thing than any time in human history. Mm-hmm. Well. And and unless that
2: scare people, because I certainly, when I was younger, would have heard a statistic like that and been like, oh no, we got to do something and change the ship. Where at this point in my life, I'm like, oh, can that come a little sooner? Because then there's going to be a a (laughs) lot of people hanging out in their living rooms talking about Jesus. And those conversations are going to not be built on obligation to an institution, but a passion for a savior.
0: Hmm. I'm literally going to write that down, just so you know. Um, <laughs>
2: That's good. We won't remember it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm a, I'll am give you credit the first time. You know how this works, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: I, I love all of this, and it's so hard. Uh, it's so hard to help people see it from within the church it's scary yeah. Uh freedom is scary knocking down the fences is scary i there was a there was one particular denomination that decided i was bad years ago and i went to i mean it's not surprising that they thought i was an asshole that's obvious but i went to a, <laughs> a, a pastor uh that better was better being a whole that, ass
0: but yeah yeah <laughs>
2: Uh, I went. I went to a pastor that was in that denomination and said, "Hey, ex- explain this to me. I'm I'm confused. I'm trying to be nice about this, but this is just getting kind of mean." And he really gave the best picture of what you're describing. He said, "Have you ever seen the movie The Village? The M Night Shummelman movie. How do you pronounce his last name?" and for those of you, there's going to be a spoiler alert, but it's an old movie, so I'm not beholden to care. Uh, The movie's about a group of people living within a village and they can't go past a certain perimeter because there's monsters out in the woods and they just keep warning. And the whole education of the people is stay close, be afraid. He's like, dude, that is our denomination. The Mm. only way we can control people is to have them be afraid of both Christians that aren't like us and non-Christians out there. And that does feel safe, despite that that's kind of lame to do from a leadership perspective. And I think it's not cool. It creates a a sense of both fear and safety for people. And what you're talking about says, hey, risk it and step outside of that perimeter and find out that those monsters actually never existed. The people Mm -hmm. in the village had literally made the monsters (laughs) so that they could keep perpetuating this. And they had reasons to do it, all good reasons. Yep. But but I think that can be scary. I'm just imagining how some of these things strike listeners who are are passionate about their local church and saying, What am I supposed to be against that now? Am I supposed to be looking for what's wrong with it? It's like mm. you don't have to do that to find freedom in Christ and not be controlled yeah. in that way.
0: Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I I think there's some beautiful expressions out there naturally they're all flawed just because we're all flawed and uh mm-hmm. I think Jesus is in and among them period I love that but you know I would say to anybody it's it's not that what you're doing is bad or evil or wrong um I think it just comes down to like who's your heart for mm-hmm. so much of what I learned within ministry was constantly being trained and training people to reach this people group This tribe, this place, right, this town, this need over here, this belief system over there, and never did we ever stop and just look at someone and go, "Hey, out of curiosity, who do you love?" Mm -hmm. You know, because love doesn't come from us, from my understanding. Love is a fruit of the spirit. It's something from beyond us that wells up and is flows in and through us. Amen for it. So who I actually love would probably be a great indicator of something the God himself is doing in and through me. And so I just sort of made a shift to like, you know what, I'm not going to be spending my time. I mean, I would still will work with church planters. I do work with some even today, but it's far fewer in between you know than what used to be. And I really just started focusing on just everyday people who love Jesus <laughs> and can say, mm-hmm. I love Jesus these people or this group or this place, or there might just be something as simple as I love, I love the three houses beside me. Okay. Mm. Well, what does it look like to go spend your time just being a friend to those people Mm. and passing on good news with no strings attached and just see where do people, where
2: do people go to learn more about what you're doing and get excited about loving the people that God has already put in their hearts to love.
0: Uh, you can go to larksite.com. That's a, that's our website. It's um as you guys probably know with any website it's a work in progress. It's always a work in progress. Mm-hmm. Um but we've got some resources on there for sure that are all free and available to anyone and everyone. Um that you can okay. grab on to. Spell larksite. L A R K S I T E.com. larksite.com. Uh, by all means, please reach out to us. One thing that we do have on there is uh, you'll notice a, one of those icons is schedule a call. Mm-hmm. Like We actually like to talk to people. I know that sounds <laughs> well, crazy. I would,
2: I would hope so. Based on everything you said, <laughs> if you then said, but <laughs> damn it, I hate talking to people. I'd be so disappointed.
0: <laughs> like, I, 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 you know, the guys in the business world always give me a hard time. They're like, no, you got to be more fluid. You got to scale. You got." I'm like, I don't know, man. I just... I think there's people out there who are kicking the tires or wondering what could be. Sometimes you just need somebody to talk to. So we do have resources. We do have trainings like cohorts that we offer where we'll walk with you for six months and really help you go live into this. But um, but if you'd like to just actually talk with one of us, we'd be happy mm-hmm. to do so. <laughs> and you've also
2: got your podcast that I assume can be linked to from that as well, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. that's all linked on there. It's called the Larkcast. L-A-R-K-C-A-S-T. So LarkCast. We've been walking through the book of John uh, over the last, I don't know, pretty good while now. Just really just getting to the weeds of what Jesus is actually saying versus what a lot of us were told, he said. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's been really, really beautiful. My favorite thing on the LarkCast, I will say, though, is go to the beginning. Um, Like the first 20 episodes, we unpack the parables that Jesus taught. That's kind of what put that podcast on the map. Let's okay, just say nice. we got a lot of, and I mean a lot of emails that began with holy shit, is that really what God is like? Yeah. And yeah. those are my favorite emails, by the way.
2: Which which is kind of the whole point of Jesus telling the parables.
0: <laughs> right?
2: were, we're to elicit that response.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yes. But I just found in the church world, like I would I was taught the parables and then taught them like principles to live by. And so I would get this like golf clap at the end of every sermon, yeah. you know, like, well done, well done, pastor. And then about 15 years later, I'm in this crisis moment that I was telling you about, which led to resigning and doing what I'm doing now, in which case I'm looking at the parables again with this sort of unfiltered lens and I'm going, okay, we teach the parables and we get a golf clap. Jesus teaches the parables and they're plotting is murder. <laughs> I don't think we're saying what he's saying <laughs> so that led back to a whole deep dive into that world um mm. anyways that that's probably my most probably my favorite thing to talk about man is the parables
2: well listeners check it out on the lark cast lark site uh man would we would that we all stepped a little deeper into the good news of the gospel? and that that leaked out onto the people around us and that we started having fun and anyone that says i don't you're not supposed to have fun you're supposed to have joy i'm like your joy that doesn't look like fun is not appealing to me it can can be hard but it can still be incredibly fun and exciting so check it out and listeners we will be right back here on the pirate monk podcast We are back on the Pirate Monk podcast. I I like gospel conversations. I, like, I know you do, man. I, I know you. They, I like freedom conversations. <laughs> that was
1: ringing your bell, wasn't it? It was mine too. Absolutely.
2: Uh, it's it's so great, and I I will say my worry in in my heart for believers is that they could enjoy engaging a conversation about freedom while not having to be against the local church yeah right feeling like they have to join that team because i think we've all met the bitter version of that i broke free from the institutional church and and it's just a lot of hurt and anger yeah Um, yeah. this is just about freedom in whatever context you're in and that you can have that and and still be going to your church and loving your pastor and loving the people there. Yeah. It's, Cause freedom exists everywhere.
1: Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. Beautiful. All right. Well, that about does it. I think Aaron, for this uh, episode of the podcast, a reminder, we do love your emails. And now that we uh, have access, uh, <laughs> uh, now that we, now that, now that we know how to get the, uh, te- get your letters, we uh, enjoy reading them. Uh, you can reach us, as always, at PirateMonkPodcast at gmail.com.
2: And if you've sent one in the past about a question or something you wanted addressed and it hasn't been addressed, uh, just keep listening because we're going through the old ones and we'll be <laughs> addressing them at the top of the show now. Yeah, yeah. you You can stop listening
1: to us talk about the weather because we've got something better to read. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I guess that does it for this time. Until next time. Hey, I'm Nate. Hi, I'm Aaron. And we are your pals on the Pirate Monk Podcast.
2: Yo-ho!
0: The Pirate Monk Podcast is produced by members of the Samson Society. Send your feedback or questions
1: to PirateMonkPodcast at gmail.com. Please give us a five-star review on iTunes
0: and share the podcast with a friend. For more information, please visit SamsonSociety.com.